Romans chapter 5. I'm going to be addressing our graduates primarily this morning, and the rest of you all just get to come along for the ride. And I do believe that there are some things in this text that will be a blessing and an encouragement, a challenge to all of us. But I want to focus this specifically on U5 today. And one thing that I love about what we're doing today is you will have it in your Bible. You won't need my sermon. You have the verses in your Bible. You can refer back to them often, and I hope that you will. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll start. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you so much for Sophie and Maddie and Isaac and, and um, Jeffrey and Caleb. Lord, their, their families, the, the life that you've given them, the, the investment that's been made in them, the grace that you've shown them. And Father, we have such great hope for their future. And Lord, we pray that they will walk in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, therefore. Now, what is that therefore there? It says, I'll tell you here in a second. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the therefore? Well, in Romans chapter 1, we learn that the wrath of God is made plain. It's declared from the heavens on all ungodliness. And that God gave man... His revelation in the very creation. God in chapter Romans chapter 2 gave man the light of conscience to where God's written His law on every person's heart. Sometimes people say that, how do atheists behave properly if they're not living under God's law? They are living under God's law. He wrote it on their hearts. They know what the truth is because he wrote it on their heart. And if a man will respond to the light of creation, if a man will respond to the light of conscience, then God gives them the light of Christ in Romans chapter 3. And we learn that we must call on him and that he is our Savior. Romans chapter 4, we learn that faith is not, that our salvation is a faith and not of the law. That Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. His works didn't save him. He believed what God had told him. And then Romans chapter 5, based on that, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope, of the glory of God. A couple of things that I want you to see. First of all, first of all, that we're justified by faith. That we're justified by faith. Notice what it says in verse 1. Therefore, being, being, that justification is a state of being. This is not something that you're working for. This is not something that you're looking forward to. If you've placed your faith and trust in Christ alone, you are justified. That's who you are. You are a new creature. You are saved. Romans chapters 5 through 8, all they're about is eternal security. That you are, if you're born again, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, not your parents' faith, your faith, if you've asked Christ to be your Savior, repented of your sins, believed in his death, burial, and resurrection, and if you have received that free gift of eternal life, you are justified. And there are certain promises and blessings that come along with this justification. And I want to go over some of that. But look at verse 2. 
I love this. So verse 1 is a very famous verse, therefore being justified by faith. Verse 2, by whom, what's that next word? Also. Also. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So my message for you today is stand and rejoice. Stand and rejoice. The gospel is something that you can stand in. Our faith is something that you can stand in, but it's also something that you can rejoice in. The Christian faith is not a drudgery, it's a joy. The Christian faith is not bondage, it's liberty. The Christian faith is, it is the epitome of everything that God wants for us in this life. First thing that I want you to see, being justified. Being justified. And this is the fun thing. Oh man, I love this. Being justified. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. It takes care of your past. It takes care of your past. Have you all done anything that you wish you hadn't done? And for a lot of people, especially those who get saved later in life, that that uneasiness, the guilt of the past, it's such a terrible thing to live with. But here's the blessing. For the believer, if you're born again, if you've come to the place where you realize that you're a sinner... And that God should justly and righteously send you to a Christless eternity in hell because it's what you deserve. If you've come to the place where you realize that and you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on that cross to pay for your sin, was buried and rose again the third day. If you believe that and ask him to save you, he will save you. From that point on, the guilt of the past is gone. So when you have those feelings of guilt, you need to know that is not from the Holy Spirit. That's either from your flesh or some other spirit. There is no place for guilt in the life of the believer. You're free. You're saved. You're pure. You're holy. You're righteous. It's a wonderful thing to know for sure that you're saved. God does bring conviction into your life. When you have something going on in your life that is not right, and God brings that to your awareness, that's not to drive you from God, that's to drive you to Him. Satan uses guilt to drive you away from Him. God uses Holy Spirit conviction to draw you to Him. It's completely different. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. One of the things that's interesting, look at what it says in verse 1 again. Therefore, being justified by faith, being justified by faith. One of the things that one commentator, Warren Wiersbe, said that condemnation means that God declares us sinners. Condemnation means that God declares us sinners, which is a declaration of war. Justification means that God declares us righteous, which is a declaration of peace. And here's the wonderful thing. That peace is forever. It is forever. Uh, I've mentioned before I was preaching at a church in Florida, and on my way from my hotel to the church building, I drove by another church, and on the side of the building, the size of the, of the building, was a sign that said, God's not mad at you. Well, yes, he is. If you're not saved, he is mad 
at you. Let's see if the Bible says that. Look at uh, Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Our hope is that Jesus Christ is alive. Amen? Our hope is that Jesus Christ is alive. He, his eternal existence is where we have our eternal life. But we were enemies. We were enemies. We were at war with him. But now we have peace. It's a declaration of peace. Look at Romans chapter 8 and look at verse 7. Because the carnal mind, that's fleshly, worldly, because the carnal mind is enmity. Enmity, do you see that? Just like in, in Romans 10. I'm sorry, Romans 5. Enmity, that's war. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Being justified, we have peace with God. This takes care of my past. Young people, you can stand. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? You can stand in that. You never have to doubt that. You can stand in it. I have a feeling that that air conditioning is too cold on people. Is it too cold? Is it too cold? Andy, will you take care of that? Kick it up a little bit? Wherever Andy is. I might be out in the lobby. Oh, he's right there. Sue, that was for you. Yes. So first, we have peace with God. This takes care of the past. But young people, I want you to see this. Look at, look, we're back in Romans 5. Look at verse 2. By whom also, this is Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Access by faith into this grace. See, this takes care of my present. This takes care of my present. Um, your Christian life is not based on what you do. It's based on who you are. Therefore, being justified. You're believers. That's who you are. And what that does is it, it opens up all of the doors of God's blessing for you. I was thinking about this for myself when I graduated from high school, you know, back when we had stone tablets and things like that, abacus in school. Um, it really was a time of anticipation. I was excited about the future. The Lord only knew it was going to take me another 13 years to graduate from college or whatever it was. But it was anticipation, but it was also apprehension. Because now it was up to me. My parents had cared for stuff. But now I have to start making decisions. Now all of a sudden, am I going to be successful or am I going to be a loser? What, what is my future? going to look like. And it really is. It's a time of apprehension, anxiety, kind of fear about the future, but also anticipation about what can be, but how all of it is going to work out. We're going to look at that tonight because the next few verses, it talks about how it works out, that you have tribulation and you have experience and you have patience and you have hope and all of that comes into the life of the believer. But it really is a time of anticipation, but a time of apprehension, a time of anxiety, 
But I want you to know that you can stand. Not only can you stand, you can rejoice. You see, the word of God that access by that you have into this grace, that is the source of your strength for your life. Now, sometimes when people talk to young people, they have this attitude that you haven't really had any trouble yet, but you will. Well, I know enough about your life to know that some of you have had some trouble that's come into your life, some adversity that's come into your life, not by any of your doing, but by outside forces. And that you have already had to learn how to mature and how to deal with with just different things that, that you never thought that you'd have to endure. Well, I can promise you this, it's going to get worse. Because the Bible says that man is full of trouble. Life is full of trouble. We live in a fallen world, and it, it is, I like what Jordan Peterson calls it, the tragedy of existence. The tragedy of existence. I should write that in all of your cards. By the way, we got them a Starbucks card and a Y Baptist book, amen, to keep them awake while they're reading it. Here's the reason that young people sometimes struggle as they start to to really get on their own feet and move ahead. Because you've been told that whatever you put your mind to, you can accomplish. Because you're special. The world does not think you're special. The world thinks you're something to be used, chewed up, and spit out. Jesus Christ thinks you're special. He loves you so much that he poured his grace out on you. And he's given you eternal life. It's vital that you understand that he has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Everything in the pages of that book. You have it all. Being justified by faith. Because you're justified by faith, you also have access into that grace wherein you stand. See, you don't stand in works. You stand in grace. You don't rejoice in how good you are. You rejoice in the fact that he's poured his grace on you even when you don't deserve it. You stand and rejoice. And I'm going to talk about that rejoicing in a minute. But the, So first of all, you're justified by faith. That takes care of your past. You have access into grace. That takes care of your present. But then notice what it says. Verse 2, "...by whom also we have access by faith into this grace." wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God, in hope of the glory of God. The Bible says it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he, we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You're not, you've not turned into a Christ-like body yet. That'll happen when Jesus Christ returns. But that's our, the hope of our future. You see, your eternal life is not based on what you do. It's based on what he has done. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that you ought to go out and do whatever you want to. But because you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, you have eternal life. That takes care of your future. So I've mentioned that our life, at this point, you young people, at this point, anticipation and apprehension. But you need to know that your past is cared for because you're justified. Your present is cared for because you have access into grace. And your future is cared for because he's coming back to get you. So all of the most important things in your life are cared for. The next things that come along, who are you going to marry? For you guys, more like who would marry you? 
That's, that's Isaac's thinking, anybody? That's all coming. It is all coming. But you have to remember, that's a secondary question. The first question is, what kind of person am I going to be? Am I going to make sure that the person that I marry loves the Lord? Am I going to make sure that the person that I marry loves God's word? Am I going to make sure that the person I marry is willing to submit to a Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church? Because there are a lot of people out there that call themselves Christians who have a completely different understanding of the Bible than the Bible. See, these are things that all happen when you're standing and rejoicing. When you realize there are things that are true, and then you build everything else around those. Your past, your present, your future are all cared for. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To whom, that's all of those people that he has been saved, to, or that he has saved, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among you Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Young people, why is your future sure? Because Jesus Christ is in you. He knows his own. That the Holy Spirit, that Spirit of Christ, we, we saw the verse in Romans 8, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Because you have the Spirit of Christ, you are his. And that, that indwelling Spirit, that's your guarantee of eternal life. So your past is cared for because you're justified. Your present is cared for because you have access into grace. And your future is cared for because you have the glory of God in you. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels in our bodies. It's there. So the, the first thing that I want you to see is that your past, your present, your future is cared for. Justified by faith, you have peace with God. Access into that grace, you have access to everything you need to stand and rejoice. And then the glory of God, hope in the glory of God. That's your future taken care of. But I want to talk to you about what does it mean to live in that grace? You have access by faith, into this grace. The first thing about grace that I want you to understand is that it is love, the love of God, that's poured out onto you when you didn't deserve it. See, all of us parents, we love doing things for our kids. And most of the time, you don't really get anything back. It's just work. Now that Jacob has graduated, starts his job this week, I'm, getting, I'm expecting some stuff back. <laughs> the Father's Day presents better get better. Because honestly, parents, wouldn't you agree? Now you love them, and there is joy that comes from being with them, but parenthood, especially for the first several years, is primarily work. That's why it's great to be a grandparent, I've been told, and I'm looking forward to that soon. That being a grandparent is all the good stuff without all the bad stuff. Do you know what that is? That's grace. That's grace. And that's what God has done. And to really understand grace, we need to understand that it is absolutely God's love poured out on us. And we know, for God so loved the world, we know that. But honestly, that doesn't help me. I love the whole world. 
I love the whole, that's Michael Jackson. Where did he come from all of a sudden? It's for the children. Um, which meant something completely different for Michael Jackson, which is a different subject. You know, being a citizen of the world or whatever is silly. It's just dumb. Being a citizen of the United States, you get some stuff for that. Right? You get some protection. You get identity. You, you get to pay taxes. <laughs> you, you get some stuff because you're a citizen of the world. Or because you're a citizen of the United States. When God loves the world, we understand that. But when you understand, Caleb, that God's grace has been poured on you specifically... Because God loves you. He knows more about you than your mom does. He knows more about you than your dad does. He knows more about you than Isaiah does. And he still loves you. More than we can even understand. And he's demonstrated that love by pouring out his grace to you. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to get to a place. You're, you're, you're going to college, the different things that you're going to do. Um, for some of you, some of that might be easy. For some of you, you're going to get to the place where you're just completely overwhelmed and you feel like you can't do anything more. When you get to that state, there's two things you need to do. You need to be sure and communicate to your parents. Be sure and communicate with them. They'll help you. Your mom will say, oh, that's, and your dad will say, you'll be all right. And you need both of those. And then you also need to access the grace that God has given you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flesh that out a little bit more for you so you can understand it. But the first thing that you have to understand is that it's all based in love. You know, the Bible does say, um, for, God, for the grace of God hath appeared uh, from heaven to all men, teaching us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Christ Jesus, who died that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. That grace, it does teach us righteousness. That grace, it does require holiness. And you know that, right? But primarily, grace is a gift. The holiness comes because of the love. The, 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 the righteousness becomes because of the love. Or the righteousness comes because of the love. So, um, so I, I know that, Maddie, you love your mom. And there are things that you don't do because it would hurt your mother. And that's good. Would you all agree with that? That's good. Why? That's love. And sometimes children, when they act out, when they do something in rebellion, it's specifically to hurt their parents. How many of you know that? They marry somebody because they know dad doesn't like them. That, that, that's not love. Would you all agree with that? And so what happens for you young people is now you're going to go out into the world and you're going to have your own standards now. The clothes that you wear or the, the places that you go the things that you eat or drink, um, your, your sleep schedule, you know, all the stuff that mom makes you do something. Now I'm going to go do my own thing. So you go and you eat everything you want to and then you throw up. And you say, well, maybe mom was right. 
Um, but now you're going to start making those choices for yourself. Here's what I don't want you to think. Man, I can't wait to get out of the house because all that Christian stuff my parents have made me do. It's all in love. It's all in love. For example, things like, because you're going to go out into the world and now it's gay pride. It's gay pride. Um, can you imagine having a month of for the rest of us for who we have physical relationships with? Is that the weirdest thing you've ever heard? It, it's filthy. The Bible talks about um, uh, people that do evil and rejoicing in their evil. That's what Pride Month is. And so now you young people are going out into that world, and I, I have no concerns that that's going to be appealing to you. That's not what I'm saying. But your attitude toward it might change. Because you don't understand the reason God says don't do that is because he loves us. And it's the most destructive behavior that a person can engage in. That's why God calls it an abomination. These are the kinds of things that I, I want you to hold on to. Why? You're going to stand in that grace because you know that it's because of love. It's because of love. Your mom tells you to put sunscreen on. Not because she hates you and she doesn't want you to have a savage tan. It's because you're albinos and you're going to get burned. So go ahead, prove us wrong. Get a third degree burn and say, I guess I showed you. You see, the instruction is, you know, we're preaching to Germans. They're all really white. It's... It's really important that you understand that you're going to stand in grace, not because it's based on rules, but because it's based on love. Not just the love of your parents, although that's significant, but much more importantly, the love of God, who's given you instructions because he loves you. You're going to stand in that. And not only this, so these, this concept of grace that, first of all, it's poured out on you. The second is, is this, and notice what it says, that, that also you have access into this grace. And what that is, it's access into an unbelievable supply of provision. Um, you know, the, the, there's the old legend of the, the man who went into the treasure cave, and the only thing that kept him from getting more was the size of the bag he brought with him. When you go into God's treasure store, that's what it means to have access into grace. When you go into God's treasure store, the only thing that's limiting you is the vessel that you take with you. God has everything that you need. He has everything that you need. Can I say it again? He has everything that you need. When you, you have access into that grace, when you get to the end of yourself, when you can't, uh, you can't make it in a particular relationship, or just, just all of the pressure in life in a career or whatever that comes into your life, you're not beyond your, you, well, you might be beyond yourself, but you're not beyond his access to grace. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Then, thirdly, it says, wherein we stand and rejoice. Stand and rejoice. 
Do you know that as believers, you're supposed to be different from the world? So, Isaac, come up here and help me with something. You see, this grace ought to make us gracious. So when that love and the the beauty that God has bestowed on me is imbibed and I receive it, it should change me. So say hello to me. What's up? How well do you think that's going to work in your career? Say hello to me. Hello. Hey, Isaac, good to see you. What's the difference? Teenager, man. Ask me how I'm doing. How you doing? Yeah. That's a child. That's the cool, right? Now, I had to learn this because obviously I've never been cool. It's just true. Um, ask me again. How you doing? And life is good. How have you been? How's your family? Good. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm looking you in the face. My face acknowledges the conversation. I'm repeating my word, your words back. That's called active listening. What is that? Thank you. That simple human interaction that because of so many different factors is gone. And young people, if you want to be successful, which is what we want for you, so much of that is living out the grace that God has given you. I'm going to give you a a self-serving story. So my parents required us to look people in the eye and talk to them. Um, my parents required us to be on time. They required us to um, know how to start a job, know how to finish a job without having to be told every aspect of it. So one of my early jobs was at a shoe store, Kinney Shoe Store in Lockport, Connecticut, or Lockport New York. And so my first day, they hired me as a stock boy, and you get new shoes in, you have to move all of the shoes in the back warehouse or in the back uh, storage room, but you have to move them in order so you can find them. And so he said, it's called moving the wall. He said, I need you to move all of these shoes down to here. 45 minutes later, I went out and said, I said, okay, I'm done. What, what's next? And the manager went, oh. And walked back because that was my four-hour job for the night. And it was done. And it looked like I had slapped him in the face. Well, my brother had already worked there and was the youngest manager in Kinney Shoes history. My sister worked for them. Same thing. They love to have altars come work for them. Why? Because we're awesome. No, because we were never allowed to be insolent. We were never allowed to do that. What did, what did my parents do? And, and just so you know, my family's successful. Materially, they're successful. Why? So much of it is the grace of God based in love 
it's poured out on us, and that changes us. We become gracious people. So that was, that was immature stuff. So now as an adult, and in all of our careers, if you're going to interact with people, well, now you need to understand that life's not about you. What does grace teach us? That Jesus didn't hold anything back. He was rich and he became poor for us. See, that's what, this is how you rejoice when you understand that life is giving. That joy comes from investing. We, yesterday we went and bought a crib for our house because we kicked Jacob out. And now we're going to have a baby room for the new baby. The, the joy of being in this stupid baby supply store. I'm walking around, oh, we need this. We had to buy this. We need to get this. What, what do we need that for? I don't, what is that? We need that. <laughs> what is that? That's, that's, that's grace, which is giving, right? That comes from love. That comes from joy. It's, it's wonderful. That's what, that's what you'll have. And if when you walk in, you're the person that lights up the room, do you know what's going to happen? You're going to get a promotion. But don't be fake. If you have the light of Christ in you, and that starts coming out of you, and you realize the person that you're talking to is a soul for whom Jesus Christ died, that's the value Jesus placed on that. When you treat them that way, and on top of that, you're standing... You're rejoicing. I'm just telling you, you're going to have good success. Now, if the world economy collapses, too bad for you. You'll have a lot of poor friends with you. But if everything stays stable, you will be successful. You will be. But you've got to stand and rejoice. The Christian life's not a drudgery. The Christian life is a joy. The rules are based in love not in bondage. So, number one, grace. It's because God loves you. Number two, on the grace, you have access to everything that you need. Number three, in this grace, the grace ought to make you gracious. And which being interpreted, don't be a punk. <laughs> Look people in the eye. Be respectful to everybody. And the other thing is, be nice to the nerds because you're going to be working for them. Fourth thing of grace, stand and rejoice. Stand and rejoice. That's our hope for you. The investment's been made in you. The investment's been made. You already know more Bible than most of the people you'll meet. You already do. You're not done. You're not done. Take that investment. Don't throw it away. And build on it. Use it. Lord, we love you. I'm so proud of these young people. Each and every one of them, and you know this is not a platitude, each and every one of them is gifted. They're precious. Lord, I pray that you'll take their lives and use them for your glory.